to Left on Red, the Daily Mountain Eagles Political History Podcast. Although today we're your COVID nineteen podcast. <laughs> I'm Jennifer Coron, and I am six feet away from Jennifer Coron. I'm Drew Gilbert. We are social distancing appropriately. Uh, this is Drew's first episode back. We've now officially released two episodes into the season. Yeah, you were there for the intro for Connie, and then James and I did another. Uh, coronavirus episode that you weren't here for because turns out you actually have bills to pay and we don't assist in that so yeah, i had some strange times I had to get some affairs in order before mm-hmm. i was comfortable coming to the the daily mount eagle offices uh so uh and drew and i have not i mean we talked a little bit about it off mic but we haven't i don't really know what all drew's gone through so maybe let's just start with what about a week ago you were actually supposed to come in we were going to do an interview mm-hmm. and that's the day that governor ivy announced that places were going to be closing as of 5 p.m yes yeah, so and you're a small business owner i was and at, that was going to impact you i was at my small business uh we won't name names um but yeah, I was scheduled to come in. We were gonna do we were gonna do some intros and outros on some interviews, and uh, I texted you and said, "Hey, it's <laughs> uh, the governor kind of just shut me down to curbside, and I've got to figure out what the heck curbside looks mm-hmm. like for my business. That's not a normal practice, and honestly, <laughs> not by, usually allowed not, by law. So not only an emergency order from the governor, but there's also an emergency order from the ABC Board of mm-hmm. Alabama allowing this, and uh, we had to really kind of interpret." how do we do this? Um, how do we reach our customers? How do we communicate to them? How do I staff? What hours do we need to do this? Um, do I have enough packaging? You know, we this is a huge influx of to-go mm-hmm. sales that we don't normally have that volume at all. And, and the answer was, I have enough packaging for a little while, and then we need to go ahead and order that and invest. And for us, in our priorities, um, in, a, in our small business, so uh, two of the owners, we take salaries there. And one of our priorities was making sure that the other people continue to be paid. Right. Um, so we were, you know, we're talking numbers. We're, we're pulling bank account balances and what, kind of trying to project some cash flows over the next few weeks. How much do we need to sell at the curb to make sure that I keep scheduling my people uh, to get paid? I mean, they, these guys pay their bills off of what we pay them. Mm-hmm. So one of the huge hits for us is um, my servers make a lot. They make a lot on tips. That's Absolutely. how they make a lot of their living. Now, we're fortunate that we we don't pay server wages at, at our place, um, and I'm not going to get too deep into the weeds on that. But there's a number that's a lot lower than the minimum wage mm-hmm. that you can pay servers. Absolutely, we don't play with that number. We have a we have a set rate. It's an embarrassing number. It, it's it, it's not a livable wage even with tips. It's it to me it's a little bit disgusting that that companies can rely on other people to pay their employees. I don't mm-hmm. I don't love that. So we have a, a, a level that we pay our, our employees at, and we wanted to make sure we're going to be able to do that and sustain right. that for a while. I mean, it was literally a, hey, uh, maybe we don't pay these bills for a little while to make sure that we're paying our people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that that's a real thing. That's a, mo- that's a moment that just happened for us. And so, Was it an um, out-of-the-blue moment? I mean, obviously this had been building, buildings, the schools had shut down, but I just wonder – even if that morning when you found out if it was an out of the blue moment. No, it wasn't. Okay. So we, here's something that um, we, we try our best to be pragmatic in. And uh, so my brother-in-law and I kind of run, run the business together. We have other family members that have invested, but we run the day-to-day together. We had had a conversation a couple of weeks ago of this is getting real. This is sweeping across the country. Um, we started to see these uh, curbside orders, mm-hmm. you know, up in Massachusetts and New right. York and Washington. And, um, 
a few things are at play there, and I don't mean to speak ill of the great state of Alabama, but we're never leaders. We're, our, we're typically followers. Mm-hmm. And I knew that we weren't going to reinvent the wheel on this. We're just going to take what these other states are doing and we're going to implement it. So right. we, we kind of knew that was coming. We didn't know when, you know. So then we're in this awkward moment of we're trying to get as much in as we can before we have to switch to this moment. But then we're also trying to be socially responsible. Businesses like mine, where people congregate, mm-hmm. are, we're the problem in moments like these. Right. So we had already set up our tap room and our outdoor. We had removed chairs and tables. We had mm-hmm. separated people. We yeah, had so y'all had everything. announced yeah. that y'all were going to stay open. If it had been allowed, y'all yeah. were going to remain open, but y'all were going to enforce and, the and distance rules. I'll be frank. We were going to be rude to people. We yeah. were going to make you mm-hmm. separate yourselves. We were going to make you right. isolate a little bit. You know, come with your group and sit a little farther apart. That's cool. And in those moments, honestly, we didn't mind pissing you off a little bit. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to go home and be pissed off, that was okay. We we knew that our business was would inherently be a part of the problem, and that's such a struggle for us because there's there's economics involved. Uh, We have bills to pay, and I have staff that I need to make sure get payroll. So we were adapting that way, with the understanding we were going to be curbside at some point. Mm-hmm. Then there was the understanding of, are they even going to let us do curbside? Absolutely. You know, yeah. we, we don't sell, <laughs> I don't sell sandwiches. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I sell something that Alabama still feels is a little more nefarious than right. it is. Um, so it, man, it was some strange times. Um, I, I always, I pride myself on trying to be level-headed and not getting stressed out and trying to be ahead of the curve and uh, buddy, I felt this one. <laughs> well, and so you guys are new and up and coming mm-hmm. and making, you know, great strides. I mean, have grown so much. There mm-hmm. are other established businesses, you know, that have been here forever who equally, you know, are taking the hit. Oh, and, yeah. you know, we're going to. So it's a mixture. There was just a fear, I think, that things were going so well in the downtown Jasper for so yeah. many of these different businesses. And then you just hit that wall and it's scary because we still don't know where this goes but definitely i mean it's going to have an impact on businesses we know this uh, absolutely and every and business has to adjust according to their business and just hope that their loyal customers stay cu- stay loyal and you said you guys people have been oh, have yeah. been supportive people and understand going way. yeah and they're doing it for all of us and i'll tell you today actually so um shout out mike putman director of main mm-hmm. street magic mike this is his moment to leverage this cohesiveness mm-hmm. you know we're all in it together on the rise well we're sure as heck all in it on the fall mm-hmm. and the hard times so today uh blackrock just released their menu for the day and they've actually included uh, saw this. beer and wine pairings with us and with twisted barley mm-hmm. uh, around the corner which is fantastic mm-hmm. this is great because you may get this one person that wasn't thinking at all they're going to get their blackrock dinner this is someone that enjoys a craft beverage right. with dinner and they're like huh, i can just pop around the block to mm-hmm. one of these breweries nearby and grab me a drink that goes well with this. Right. That's the kind of stuff right there that's going to keep us all. It, it, mm-hmm. We're all in this together. The success of my business on a normal day is because I have all these other businesses around me. Right. We're all bringing people into downtown. And so I need all of them the mm-hmm. same way they need me. We need each other. And so it, it's it's great to see that cohesiveness. There were some other conversations. Mike, <laughs> Mike's had some weird ideas, and uh, we've been like, yeah, I'll do them. And then the ABC board's like, no, no, you, you won't, you won't yeah. do them. <laughs> but we've tried to partner uh, with, with other restaurants. We have a little uh, uh, a tabletop canning machine. Mm-hmm. We kind of can on demand. And uh, we, we were having conversations with restaurants about, like, maybe pre-canning some of their drinks for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was – ABC board said right. no to that. But we're not, we're not ruling any of that out. 
and for all of us, and I think it's it's the same with all the businesses in downtown, we're all trying to just keep whatever bare minimum we can. Right. I don't want to lay off employees. I don't have a lot, mm-hmm. but I need them there. I, I want to continue to pay them through this time. We'll get out the other side and we'll, and we'll be better for it. And so far, uh, man, we're seeing the best of Walker County, the best of Jasper, the best Good. of our customer bases. You can't match what we would normally have. Our mm-hmm. business is a social business. We ain't trying to match it. I'm right. trying to make payroll, right. keep my lights on. I mean, like, that's well, where we are. Well, and it's are. just going to take, and we encouraged it on the podcast that we did with James, and, and I know we've done some things in the paper, but it's just that time. If you want to see these businesses survive, yeah. then you got to support them right now. Yeah. And they're doing, you guys are doing as much as you can to make it easy for us to do that through the delivery and whatever it is. You just have to make that effort, even if you're not someone who necessarily eats out a lot or even thinks about it. Just be aware, you know, that um, if there's something you can do, if there's a day you can eat out, if there's a day you can, you know, order from some of these places, just do it out of the goodness of your heart because they've probably supported something that's very near and dear to you. An event, you know, a ball team, you know, they've written some checks in the past to support Uh things that you love. And so it really is important that you show them you're just not a place to go when I'm looking for money or just because I want to hang out. Right. That I really want to see you be successful and I want to support. Yeah. And I think a big thing, and when you really look at the, the downtown Jasper footprint and a lot of the businesses, there there's not like a lot of um, business owners down there that are sitting on some kind of amassed wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, we just, we aren't. Right. Almost all of us are just working class folks that started something right. and we're trying to build it. Or and I know you're a planner from, from the mayor yeah. point of view and you can't plan for something like this. No, Your really, business plan did not include no, mass cert- shutdowns. It certainly does not. And we're coming out of a year where we really experienced a growth and we really reinvested in ourselves mm-hmm. a lot and so then you come into the beginning of this year and so in a facility like ours we're we're this we're kind of two businesses in one we're a manufacturing facility as well mm-hmm. as a place where you can come and hang out well on the manufacturing side we've done a lot of investment this year in product mm-hmm. so we've we've bought in a lot of raw materials we've produced a lot of product and we're sitting on it well, that's not good for us if we can't mm-hmm. sell it, right? So then the other half of our business, we distribute out through distributors into right. the market and hits bars and restaurants. Well, there's no demand there mm-hmm. right now. They're mm-hmm. not buying They're that. Right. So it's it's a strange time for, for a business like ours, the same as it is for the restaurants there in downtown, the coffee shop. You know, that we're all in it. But the other side of it, too, is don't even necessarily think about the ownership groups or the people at the top. Think about those servers. Think about those mm-hmm. people that are working. They rely on that job every single day. Anything you can do for them, right. you, you're doing it for them. Right. If they're still there serving you, then they're getting paid, mm-hmm. and they're getting paid by the money that you're spending at that business. Right. So that's that's the way I'm, I'm viewing it. Now, um, you also wear the hat of a mayor. Yeah. And would like to point out, because uh, I love to, so you guys were the first, no one has corrected me, to f- the first to meet via teleconference. Yeah. A lot of other places, um, you actually issued a proclamation on Monday. You guys met on Tuesday via teleconference and kind mm-hmm. of ratified that proclamation and expanded out a little bit. But um, you've also had city employees and a whole town to be thinking about how do we protect and when do we shut things down and that kind of a thing. Yeah, so our first step, um, I guess two Mondays ago at this point, was just to meet with department heads. Um, Hey, let's just be sensible. Let's talk about what this is and what we can do sensibly to to take the right steps. So. Uh, we switched immediately with with our sanitation workers. Anybody touching the garbage, uh, they're required. They were required immediately to wear masks and gloves. Um, 
not necessarily that that's going to save the day for mm-hmm. them. But these are guys that drive to every house in the city and mm-hmm. touch everything you didn't want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was pretty important for me. Obviously, that's not a service I can discontinue all of a sudden. Right. But it's a service where we, we have human beings involved that need the protection that we can offer them. So we did that. We talked with our emergency services about the good thing for emergency services is there's much bigger plans from bigger agencies that just mm-hmm. run down to us. So that that's great. It's just, hey, let's be sensible. Uh, let's limit our, our contact with the public as best we can. And then inside our offices, we're very fortunate with our design in our new city hall. All of my administrative workers are in a, a, a secluded office with they a window. They are, with a and window so, and locked doors. Yeah. You're not getting anywhere near them. So our conversation was, hey, stay in there. The public stays outside. So our magistrate regularly has people coming in and out mm-hmm. of their office to handle their issues with court, and we killed that immediately. So the municipal courts had already been canceled by the state. Mm-hmm. They had already sent out an order, hey, you're canceled through X date. So we didn't have to cancel court, but then we had to have these conversations of, is it worth it to take payments from these people right mm-hmm. now? Do you want to exchange cash out of their hand or check right. that's been at their house? You don't know where they've been. You don't know where they've traveled to. And the answer was no. Right. So um, we set out an order with our employees on that, that Monday a couple of weeks ago. Nothing comes in from the public. Mm-hmm. We don't accept paperwork, documents, payments. Nothing comes in that window. You can send things out to them, mm-hmm. but you don't take anything in. And it's just sensible. You know, if we have to do that for a month, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to lose some revenue on court. We may gain it back later. We may not. But why is it worth the health and Mm -hmm. well-being of our employees? So that was another thing. And then you mentioned having the meeting by teleconference, which was weird. And I don't love that. It Uh, was weird. But everybody, I put this in the article, everybody um, participated. Yeah. Um, so it was new and it was awkward and and you have somebody really was, just one. There was one council member that I think buttons. right that you were a little bit you were a little bit concerned. I was anyway that this was going to be a little awkward for her and maybe she wasn't going to be able to do it. But yeah. she was there and voted and so. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, it was weird. You had to identify yourself, even though everybody we knows know everybody, yeah. but on the voice, yeah. it was, you know, just so that Leanne could get that correct and that kind well, of thing. Well, and then thing. when we have the recording of it, there's nothing implied. Mm-hmm. It's all, Who it's is all it? definite. Yeah. And, and that was a precaution and, and, uh, shout out to our city attorney, Ben Goldman. Um, he's, he's one of those, those evil. He Bir- moderated that one. He's one of those evil Birmingham lawyers you hear yeah. so much about. Um, he's just—he's so good at his job. He's so good with municipalities and mm-hmm. understanding our our intimate needs day mm-hmm. in and day out. And you know, he brought a lot of this to the table. And my hope is that nothing in the proclamation and nothing in the ordinance is something that we mm-hmm. have to enforce. And he even mentioned that in there. These are these are things that we're adopting and we're hoping. Right. Everyone just understands, hey, we're kind of in this together. Let's keep our distances. Maybe stay home, guys. Well, Um, no other municipality had, because I checked on that too, nobody had issued a proclamation before you did. uh But spoiler, in a few episodes, you're going to be hearing from Mayor Corey Franks. And I saw on their Facebook page, I think it was, that he has now signed a proclamation that looks suspiciously like the one you (laughs) signed a few days ago. Corey called me and, uh, you know, he said, hey, what are you doing? And and I let him know what we Mm -hmm. we had going. And And again, the good fortune for me, this isn't something that Drew's just superior and thought up. We've got a really good city attorney right. that brought this stuff to me. It was it's um, uh, been said in that meeting that it's being distributed to multiple municipalities that, around right. the state. That's right. So and even it, though people here in Wonker County um, don't have access to it because they probably don't use that firm, yeah. but you yeah. did, and now Corey has had the benefit of. And these are just sensible precautionary measures, and this right. is what it's all about. We're all in it together. Um, this is a resource that I have, and Corey called, and I was like, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Right. 
and our hope is that everything we're doing is out of an abundance of caution. Mm-hmm. Um, so the real moments like these are, and, and I look at a guy like Walt Maddox in a moment like this, and, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Walt fanboy for mm-hmm. a long time of uh, experience. You know, we paralleled the tornadoes together, but he had it on such a larger right. scale. And I'm getting to watch a guy that's just fantastic at what he does do it. Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing it now, and you're seeing him do just constant communication, constant virtual town halls and updating. He's in, He's got much larger population. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if it ran rampant in Cordova, I've got 1,800 cases because that's, all, I ha- that's mm-hmm. all the people I have. You right. know what I mean? If it runs rampant in Tuscaloosa, what does he have? A quarter of a million? I don't yeah. know how many people they have, but I, I'm sure it's around 200,000 mm-hmm. or so. So... To see that leadership on display to me is is fantastic. To see a guy that's ahead of the curve, he's talking about these things, he's being sensible, he's adopting what he can, and then obviously there's there's more questions than answers in moments like mm-hmm. this for the public, and they're hitting him on Twitter. Why aren't you just shutting down non-essential business? To which he's replying, I can't. Um, the, mm-hmm. the way Alabama is structured, I only have the power that the legislature has afforded me, and they haven't afforded me this. And they're like, well, they're doing it in Birmingham. To which then he's explaining to them, how the Jefferson County Health Department and the Mobile Health Department are independent of mm-hmm. the Alabama Health Department based on other things mm-hmm. that have happened. And he's just educating people wow. constantly. Whereas I would just want to, like, ignore them and throw a shoe at them or yeah. something. You're like, I don't want to answer your questions. He He's just he's navigating this this quite well. So I take motivation in moments like these from these much better mayors of much, of much bigger cities than well, me. Well, and I've also thought, so you managed a recovery, but the emergency yeah, had it passed. Me. Yeah, This, you're, you're not even allowed to lead to leave office without having to be yeah. a mayor in crisis, not yeah. just a mayor of, of like you know, recovery. disaster recovery, yeah. like actually ongoing, don't even know, like at least, you know, previous mayor knew. So this is a thing that happened in a moment in time and you know so even his really early on was disaster recovery mm-hmm. this is ongoing and open-ended oh, yeah. and big question marks everywhere and that's tornadoes terrible. we kind of sort of understand they come they go this, and we you're don't. left with the wake and this is you don't know exactly what it is and and it's tough because this is one of those moments where for you to really like effectively lead and effectively handle a situation like this you have to take civil liberties from mm-hmm. people and buddy, that's that's like rule number one mm-hmm. for me is I'm I ain't messing with yours, you don't mess with mine. Like right. that that's what we're about. And there's no way to do it. Like mm-hmm. last night I mentioned to you off mic earlier, my wife and I are riding home and I'm I see like eight kids playing basketball at the park. Mm-hmm. They got their headlights down there on Our the version game. of spring breakers. <laughs> yeah. Basketball players. And, and uh, it, you know, that basketball court means a lot to me. It was something that I really wanted for our community. It was something I grew up playing basketball on a court, and we didn't have one, and, and I'm proud to have it. And under normal spring day, a car down there with their headlights on playing ball at night, I'm not even messing with them. I'm like, do your thing. But in a night like this where we just adopted an ordinance that literally made what they're doing illegal, mm-hmm. I have to call my police chief, which fortunately by the time he got there, I think they had kind of taken the hint of mm-hmm. my headlights beating right. down on them for a little while, and they went home. But, man, I want them to be able to play basketball. But Now's uh, probably not the best time for a game. Yeah, I don't know that our demographic is the young kids playing basketball at the Curdova <laughs> Court. But mm-hmm. if you're listening, uh, maybe play a game of horse, guys. You right, know, <laughs> something. Keep some distance. Like, yeah. keep shooting ball. That's cool. But we can't be playing man-to-man defense right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, this thing is just something we don't know a lot about. And it spreads fast. And, you know. Maybe, crazy. Maybe stay away from folks. As we record this, I think we're up to 17. I haven't, I mean, yeah. that was as of this morning. Yeah. So we were just a few days ago. It seems like we were at three and then we were at five and all of a sudden you're at 17. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, and we just had our first fatality crazy, in Alabama yesterday. Um, it, it's, it's a real thing. And I think the unfortunate thing for us is that we, we always want to compare it in this day and age. We want to compare it to, oh, well, the swine flu in 2009. Mm-hmm. And we always want to label Obama there and Trump mm-hmm. here. And we want to, that doesn't do anybody any good. Right. The swine flu killed 12,000 some odd Americans. And that's terrible. Mm-hmm. We don't know how many Americans are going to be killed by this. And I think all of our hope is that it is right. much less than 12,000. I don't care who the leader mm-hmm. is. Let's stop with that rhetoric, guys. Let's well, let, let's calm since, that down. Since a we've we're we're in the political area and and we yeah. are a political podcast, so this has um, altered elections. Absolutely, multiple states yeah. have changed their um, elections. Our runoff election here in the state of mm-hmm. Alabama has been moved. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been there's been that going on. It's it's a weird election year yeah. as well because. Um, you can't go politic and do what you do, kiss babies and shake hands no, in can't. this time. Well, let's talk about uh, let's talk about two elections specifically. Uh, one, the one closest to home would be the Senate election, mm-hmm. where we have a runoff between Tommy Tuberville and um, Jeff Sessions. Mm-hmm. So Tommy Tuberville, well, he he won the the election, but not enough to avoid a runoff. Mm-hmm. And then there's some assumptions there. Uh, we had the third candidate, Mo Brooks, uh, not Mo Brooks, Bradley Byrne, mm-hmm. that's out now. He's from the same part of the state as Jeff Sessions. There's an assumption that a lot of his votes would go to right. Jeff Sessions and it would be a closer election, but there was, like, a lot of momentum for Tommy Tuberville winning there. Mm-hmm. Time is the enemy of Tommy Tuberville yeah. now. His campaign said, oh, well, it's too late to debate. You know, we can't debate you. There's not enough time. Well, you lost that argument mm-hmm. now. <laughs> There's plenty of time. Right. <laughs> so now the argument is, well, we can't debate because we can't get into a room with a lot of people. Well, you two can get in a room and stay six feet apart. And mm-hmm. You're still in city. Like, he's lost that. Well, on a debate stage, Jeff Sessions has been around for a lot longer. He's going to win that one. He's going to win it. He, he knows the talking points. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Tuberville showed strength here in this room when mm-hmm. we interviewed him. We, but yeah. this, is a, this is a seasoned vet here. He's going to wow. win. So time is the enemy of this. This literally could change who our U.S. senator is. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, if you had to bet money in Vegas mm-hmm. uh, and we were having the runoff who had the momentum? scheduled, Tuberville would probably win, right? But now, time is the enemy of right. him. So that could completely swing that one. And then so, let's not forget poor Senator Jones out there continuing yeah. to have to <laughs> um, say, no, I can't vote for this COVID-19 bill and, yeah. and taking a lot of flack for that. Yeah, so. yeah. So then you move, uh, you move to the presidential election, which, you know, we know what's happening on the Republican side, and I really don't think that changes much. And I'm not even going to talk about, like, how does Trump's handling of this really affect, affect him? I, I don't even think that's as much a thing. What is a real thing is Joe Biden has has taken all the momentum mm-hmm. on that side. And then um, on a debate stage, Bernie's a stronger performer mm-hmm. than Joe. Joe's Joe's a bit of a fumbling speaker, and he always has been for 40 years. That's Quite not aware of that to the old man. Yeah. That, he did that when he was young and vibrant. Um, but a moment like this, and I may this may upset some some listeners. Moments like these, when the country is at its lowest and it's at these just strangest times, socialistic programs tend to be what helps, mm-hmm. even if it's a temporary. So talk about mm-hmm. FDR during the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. Socialistic programs brought us out of the Great mm-hmm. Depression. You don't have to believe that socialistic programs are always good for us, and that's fine. There's mm-hmm. there's warranted debate there. But in moments like these, it's hard to argue the value of socialistic programs. Right. It's hard to argue what the Works Progress Administration did just for Walker right. County. I mean, I think it built People's Hospital. It built Cordova High School. Mm-hmm. It built some bridges. I don't know what all else it built. Right. Just in Walker County, I know what it did. 
these things work in it. They put people to work, mm-hmm. right? So now you've got a time where socialistic programs are going to be the answer to some of our problems. Mm-hmm. Um, a two trillion dollar bill passed unanimously through the United States Senate yesterday. Mm -hmm. That two trillion dollar bill was introduced by the Republican Mm -hmm. leader of the Senate. Yep. That's where we are. There's a lot of socialism in that bill temporarily. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of socialistic programs of we're bringing the wealth of the government back to the people real quick to give you a shot in the arm. So flip back over to the presidential election. There's a Democratic Socialist on the mm-hmm. ticket. There's a guy that believes that these programs are the answer all the time, right. not necessarily in the short term. This gives validity to his argument. Mm-hmm. And the problem for him is he has a stage on the Senate floor right. to say the same things that he's been saying for 30 years on, mm-hmm. on some type of floor. Um, but he doesn't have the ability to get on a debate stage yeah. with Joe Biden and really hammer him home. So it, it makes me wonder... Does it hurt him? Does it help him? I don't really know where yeah, it puts him. Yeah, I'll admit that things have obviously been crazy here, and I haven't been following as closely as I would in normal times. But I also haven't seen, um, I'll say from either, but again, expressing that I haven't really kept up with it. I don't know that Joe Biden is really um, saying the kind of things that you would hear from a, or you hope you would hear from a president. Like, no. I don't know that Joe Biden is really um like, I feel better, like, wow, I wish Joe Biden was in the White House, that kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know that mm-hmm. he's really handling the moment in a way that would, I guess, make you think that he was presidential material. Yeah. Um, you know, you're not really seeing, I again, I'm not really feeling that. Anything well, that I've you, seen about Joe Biden, and again, saying that it's been limited, but I haven't thought, oh, God, Joe yeah. Biden's making me feel better today. It's yeah. really not been the case. And it's, um, and, and but Bur- in all honesty, getting... Joe Biden really didn't make me feel better before COVID 19. We'll put that out there. So that's probably on me, Joe. <laughs> that's status, um, status but quo there. You're not you. making me feel better now either. But on the flip side of that coin, Bernie is getting moments, I'm not going to say to be presidential, but he's certainly getting moments to hammer his everyday mm-hmm. stances on right. things. <laughs> it kind of plays moment. into his whole life. Yesterday, mantra. he got to go on the floor. Yeah. And so uh, for those of you that followed or didn't follow or whatever, um, this bill was really the way DC works now is the leaders get into a deep dark room mm-hmm. somewhere and hammer out their details, and then they bring 600 pages to the floor and they try to get everybody to vote on it that mm-hmm. day. Which, by the way, I don't think is what our founding fathers had in mind. Probably not. We want those to be deliberative bodies that mm-hmm. talk about and debate. In this moment, you don't have the advantage of really having the time to debate. Maybe you do have the advantage of not having a 600 page bill. Mm-hmm. Maybe 15 pages would work. Yeah. But anyway, some crazy so they bring stuff, yeah. they bring this bill to the floor. This bill was bar- brought to the floor by Leader McConnell. He introduced mm-hmm. the bill. There are four. There were four Republican senators that had some concerns that people may be paid more if they were laid off and stayed home, and they were a little bit worried about that. Mm-hmm. To which almost the entire rest of the body, Democrat and Republican alike, are like. Are you freaking serious? Mm-hmm. This is you're worried about temporarily people might get paid more when they get laid off. Mm-hmm. Is this a real thing? And then mm-hmm. they're like, Yeah, yeah, we need yeah. to look into this. Hardcore. To which then Bernie Sanders responds, Hey, you've got this five hundred billion dollar slush fund for corporations over here where these corporations might make more money in their downtime. Mm-hmm. And if we keep having this argument, I'm gonna wanna put some more restrictions on that. Yeah. So you're seeing the ideals of the two sides, the two parties, the mm-hmm. two sides, the two platforms kind of at odds, and I'm like for me, an outsider looking, I'm like, I don't think these four Republicans are going to win this argument mm-hmm. in this moment. 
And Bernie literally gets on the floor and he does, he does, we've got four people in the room that are worried somebody, some of these poor people might make a little bit more money for four months. Mm -hmm. Oh my Lord, the universe is imploding, you know, and he really got to, he really got to do his Bernie bit, do his Bernie. And they set him up. They like put it Mm -hmm. on a T for him. And I'm like, Ooh, I wouldn't do this, but I didn't understand their logic. And these were guys from different um, kind of ideologies within Mm -hmm. the Republican party because you had. Senator Lindsey Graham, who I've talked about on here before, I think his soul died when John McCain something died. Happened. Uh, something happened to him. He, he used to be like this prog- pragmatic moderate with mm-hmm. John McCain. They were lockstepped on a lot of mm-hmm. things. And now I don't, I don't know what's wrong with this guy. Yeah. Uh, and then you got Ben Sass, who's a guy that last year, he's a, he's a hyper-intelligent guy. He's written books that are mm-hmm. like almost above my head on some things. But he literally talked. He he made the quote last year or, or the year before that I wake up every morning thinking about leaving the Republican Party. He really considers himself more of a middle ground mm-hmm. kind of guy, and then he's on this train mm-hmm. of, hey, let's not pay the poor people a little extra. Right. And 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 it's strange. It was strange to me the the cast of characters. Oh, I didn't understand mm-hmm. exact. I get it on like a normal piece of legislation. This ain't normal. Mm-hmm. There's nothing normal about these times. Right. And what if they get paid a little more for four months? That might stimulate the economy a little more, which mm-hmm. is what this whole bill is about. You're right. not paying them for the rest of their mm-hmm. life out of this bill. You're paying them for, you know, one-time payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, strange. And certain strange people times. who live on the margins are being asked to do way above and beyond. Absolutely. I sh- shared on my Facebook page because it's personal to me about, I think, um, warehouse workers who are working 12-hour days, seven days a week. Those workers are working those hours because trucks have to go out and That's go it. to these grocery stores. And then people in the grocery stores, like my husband, have to work longer hours mm-hmm. with uh, probably not getting everything they're supposed to get on the truck around the public uh, eight to ten hours a day uh, mm-hmm. without the benefit of this nice uh, safety equipment that other professions uh, do get to take advantage of. And these are people, your cashiers, you know, those type of people, you don't think a thing about it. And they, in a different way than healthcare workers, but they are in a different version of the front lines right yeah. now. And just in case y'all don't know, they get paid pretty crappy. And you talk. And you're asking them to put their life on the line every single day. And, and you talk about, you know, my business is in flux, and we don't understand what it's going to be and what. And I'm talking about cash flow. Mm-hmm. These people don't know how many lives they're going to be responsible for saving tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to talk about perspective. Mm-hmm. Forget all about what I'm going through. These people don't know if they have enough ventilators. They don't mm-hmm. know if they have enough ICU beds. They don't know how bad it's going to be where they are. They may be a hospital that's not really affected greatly at all. And then they share their ventilators or their staff somewhere else, mm-hmm. and they go travel, and they go help at UAB, where is the right. epicenter in Alabama right now. Every single day, that's what they don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Mm-hmm. You want to have somebody in your thoughts right now. Right. It is anyone in the medical well, profession. Well, for all those, like the, the salons and those type of people, I mean, this is not, you know, these aren't millionaires, you know, so they're shut down right now. And this is... Uh, this is hurting a lot of people. So, yeah. yeah, if some of those people get paid a little more, I think it's okay. Yeah. I think it's all right and if we take not, care of those and people. And we're not talking about a long-term policy decision here. Right. We're talking about a shot in the arm for Americans and for mm-hmm. the American economy, for the American workforce. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about for, you know, <laughs> for years or this is your welfare that you get to live on. for. It's not right. even a debate of that. I found the posturing strange mm-hmm. yesterday for me. Um, I, I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure well, there's look people that align with them. Look for a second there. 
So you thought, okay, this is another 9-11, and you're seeing the Democrats and Republicans getting together, and it looked like momentum was going in a good direction. Mm -hmm. And then you realize, nope, turns out we're still in 2020. Yeah. And, you know, apparently the stimulus money is going to help, you know, kill babies. And, you know, then on the other side, it's going to help bail out corporations. And so all this stuff is going around, and you're like, they're never going to come to the middle ground. They're not. None of them are. And And then they do, and it has a $2 trillion price tag. Which, for everyone that doesn't keep up with American budgets, that's bigger than our our budget. Uh That's bigger than the discretionary budget that they passed for the entire country for the entire year. It's it's massive. Mm -hmm. Um, And so let's let's continue down that road talking about the bill itself. So it did pass the Senate unanimously Mm -hmm. yesterday. We're short three voters in the Senate. Um, Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky has actually contracted Mm -hmm. COVID-19. He's at home. And then uh, Mitt Romney and one other was in self-isolation. Or isolating. Because they had been around Rand Paul. So we were out those three votes. Everyone else in the body, Democrats and Republicans Mm -hmm. alike, they vote unanimously for this bill. Um, Then we flipped it to the House today. The House has pretty much said they're going to pass it. So the difference in the Senate and the House, so the Senate requires 60 votes for a bill such as this one. The House just requires a majority vote. Mm-hmm. Um, the House is controlled by Democrats who seem to be largely in favor of the bill. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like you're going to have any problems. Right. Like every Republican can vote against it. It mm-hmm. looks like it's going to make it through. So I don't think every Republican will because all the Republicans in the Senate voted for this. But it's going to pass the House. Right. So then what does that mean for us, I guess, for Americans? So. All of us, every adult American taxpayer is eligible for $1,200 payment. Married um, couples, I think, is it 24 or 27? It's, and then, twel- it's 12 apiece uh, for the taxpayer, and then, and then there's 500 a, per for child, a child credit. Yeah. yeah, so like my wife and I with one kid would be 2900 It would mm-hmm. be 12, 12, and, and 5. Um, that's directly to you, the taxpayer. They're, they're estimating between three and four weeks. It looks like there's a, a Checks would be slower than direct mm-hmm. deposits. My understanding is that they're going to use some information from your tax return. I was going to say, if you get your out. tax return, if you get they're it, they're going to use that same deposit. They're going to do account, that, yeah. Because that speeds everything up for them. Yeah. So that's how it affects you directly as an individual. We talked about small businesses earlier, mm-hmm. so I can give you some insight for us. Um, it looks like what we'll be eligible for is an SBA loan that would help us cover payroll and utilities, I believe. I didn't get to read the full version of this. Well, heck, I can't read. <laughs> you don't have anyway. time. <laughs> um, it looks like we'd be eligible. Uh, the, the intent for them is to help us cover 10 weeks of payroll and utilities if we continue paying our payroll. It makes mm-hmm. us eligible, which we were committed to doing anyway. Uh, at the end of that 10-week period, and I think they've tagged this at like June 30th or something like that. So we would go to a local bank here, get that SBA loan. Mm-hmm. We would get those funds to make our payroll pay our utilities. And on June 30th, as long as we continue to meet all the standards we were required to do, it converts into a grant, not a loan, right. and the government pays my loan off. And the idea there is that I continue to pay my payroll and mm-hmm. pay my people, which is good. It's a great incentive right. for all these Absolutely. companies. So that's what small businesses would be eligible for. And I can't tell you how impactful that is mm-hmm. for small businesses. To know that we can pay our people is right. tremendous. So then on the other side, and this was a sticking point when the bill got originally introduced, there's a $500 billion fund controlled by the Treasury Department. Mm-hmm. So the Treasury Secretary is an appointee, is a political appointment of the President. Mm-hmm. So the Treasury Secretary is always going to have some kind of loyalty to the President in which they're serving, as well as hopefully loyalty to the country mm-hmm. and the people that they're serving, but certainly loyalty to the sure. person that appointed them. The original introduction just kind of gave them this money to dole out as they pleased. And this is where the Democrats really came to the table. <laughs> Probably not the best idea. Came to the table and was like, hey, yeah, you're not doing that. And they're actually using data. So if you guys remember the economic downturn we experienced in 2008, 
there were two main uh, kind of bailout bills that came, one in 08 and one in 09. Well, if you guys keep up with presidential elections, uh, the one in 08 would have been under George W. Mm-hmm. Bush and the one in 09 would have been under Barack Obama. So the one in 2008, they actually considered to be kind of a failure. And it's not a label mm-hmm. on George Bush or who controlled. It's not a, it's not right. a partisan thing. The TARP, um, Troubled Asset Relief mm-hmm. Program, they basically gave funds to big companies without any strings attached. Yeah. It didn't fix the companies. Um, greedy, turns out. Turns out when you give greedy when you, companies when money. When you give really rich CEOs money. <laughs> they use it however they want. If you don't their first them thought isn't to say, how can I do this for the benefit of all? <laughs> that's right. Turns so, out that's not how they got in that job. Ter- they, they really, politically, that round of bailouts was considered a failure. There weren't any strings attached. There wasn't anything that was uh, required of these people. Oversight? Is that the word you're looking so for? So then we moved into 2009. There was another bailout. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of Wall Street bailout, and we did uh, probably the biggest part that a lot of us saw was the American automakers. And I don't know how many people really kept up with it. I was very politically engaged 08, mm-hmm. 09, and I was I was in it, man. I was reading all about mm-hmm. this. I was, I was very intrigued by this. Right. For lack of a better term, we nationalized two of the big American automakers during that time. So uh, shout out to Ford Motor Company. Uh, We didn't have to nationalize them because Mm -hmm. their CEO saw the pending economic doom. Mm -hmm. He actually mortgaged some of his plants and had some cash on hand to weather the storm a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm not sitting here telling you Ford didn't get any money, Mm -hmm. but they certainly didn't get what General Motors and Chrysler Corp got. So what happened is we gave them a lot of money. We nationalized them. We owned them for Mm -hmm. a little while. But we had a uh, we had like an auto bailout czar that was over them. There was a yeah. A I love when the word czar gets thrown <laughs> around. You know? I love it. I've been watching a lot of Parks and Recreation lately, and uh, Leslie Nope was the the merger czar, and I was like, I, we need to I use love the word czars. czar more often. Love it. So basically, they had oversight. So they went into General Motors. Uh, do you guys remember Pontiac? I do. Uh, you don't get them anymore because it wasn't a profitable brand mm-hmm. for them. They kept it because of nostalgia, not because it made business sense. Well, this are they don't care about their nostalgia. Mm-hmm. They said, hey, that doesn't work. That's gone. They streamlined their operations. They went in and cleaned them up. They gave them, hey, here's some goals for you to go toward. Let's get higher um, miles per gallon. Let's mm-hmm. make these cars go farther for the people. Right. Um, this makes a lot of sense. They did all these things. The government ended up getting most of their money back out of these companies and I don't think I have to tell anyone how successful American automakers have been over mm-hmm. the last decade. They've right. been killing it. Mm-hmm. They've been coming out with awesome new cars and new designs, and they've been like groundbreaking and selling at just crazy numbers. Mm-hmm. It's been fantastic. But it's because we went in there and we gave them some accountability for how they were <laughs> right. using this taxpayer bailout. I don't think we did as good of a job with big banks and Wall Street necessarily. <laughs> no. And, and what I mean by that, obviously, we know Wall Street's been succeeding mm-hmm. lately. I'm talking about the oversight and making mm-hmm. sure that they can have a lot of impact on our economic situation. They can have a lot of impact on your 401k and right. your investments and your retirement. And I don't know that we necessarily nailed oversights there. And it's a fine line. You don't mm-hmm. want the government just to be all up in your business all the time. We want a real free market right. economy. But the government does need to have some oversight mm-hmm. in areas where it impacts all of us, right? Right. I don't think we nailed it there, but we definitely nailed it with the American automakers. Mm-hmm. So what they did with this bill was they said, hey, you know, in 08, we gave no oversight and we just kind of like pissed the money into the wind. Mm-hmm. And then in 09, we gave oversight and we saw return on our investment. Maybe we put some right. oversight this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what came out of that was a lot of the air- so airlines are struggling. Well, airlines have had fantastic years over the last three, four, five as the mm-hmm. economy was up. People are traveling. They're going everywhere. Well, they actually used all their money to buy back their own stocks. And I'll let you do your investigation on buying back stocks and what it means. 
but basically they kind of just brought their own wealth back to themselves mm-hmm. and controlled it, right? Well, so then they, they put in here, hey, we're going to give you some money because you need it. You're, you're, you're going to fail without it, but you can't buy back your stocks. Yeah. You need to invest this money back into your people, back into your company, back into your platforms, mm-hmm. not back into yourselves is what they said. So they can't buy back their stocks while they're receiving the funds, and then they can't buy them back for a year after they've received mm-hmm. the funds. So little things like that are starting to put oversight in there. They also excluded um, any high-ranking government official from being eligible for these funds, which mm-hmm. is going to be like the Trump organization. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to be affected by this. He's in, right. They've got a lot of hospitality industry. Now, I said he, excuse me, his family, because he has nothing to do with his company now because he's the president and he mm-hmm. had to divest. So it, it certainly impacts his businesses. Right. But, man, that's a, that's a gray, shady line you get yourselves into where a political appointee mm-hmm. of Mr. Trump can give money to Mr. Trump's family. And right. I, get, I get that. But also all the rest of the high-ranking government officials, you know, let's not pass money to you. You decided mm-hmm. to get into public service, so you can't play in this pool right. of money. So those were the two big victories, I think, that the Democrats claim mm-hmm. coming out of this. I certainly agree 100% with oversight. Uh, we mm-hmm. should never give the taxpayers money out to private industry without real strings attached of this is our expectations of how you use this money to help the people. Because that's right. what these moments are about, yeah. helping the people. We all collectively are trying to get through this. Yeah, and we'll throw out a little history nugget since we're a political history podcast. If you don't think these type of things have always had to happen, Google the relationship between President Theodore Roosevelt and J.P. Morgan <laughs> and all of those. Those uh, ups and downs and swings and how mm-hmm. business was done up until the moment that uh, President Roosevelt was elected. Um, this is not a new thing. No, this, it's this not. deciding that the government has to intervene here or this is going to collapse. Uh, this is not new. This is not new to Obama. This was not new uh, back at the turn of the century. No, it, and it sometimes wasn't. this is what happens, and this is why we are not a Confederate States of America. That's right. Because occasionally. You need a central government to manage situations like this. You do, and that that's what they're there it's for. It's messy. It doesn't always work out the way it's supposed to, but we've decided it's better than the alternative of everybody trying to go through this by themselves and, you know, yeah. pull yourself up without any assistance whatsoever because you should just be able to do that in America. Right. Turns out that narrative doesn't work so well sometimes. No, and it doesn't. And, and I think in moments like these, whether you're the most extreme socialist or the most extreme libertarian that believes in the smallest government possible, I think we all understand right now the, the, we want the it government. It takes a centralized. We want, we want the centralized government to work for us, mm-hmm. right? They've been taking that money out of your check for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And, in, and in moments like this, this is when we want you to return that money to right. us, the people, in every form. For me, I, I'm... I'm never just going to be advocating corporate bailouts, but mm-hmm. I understand airlines would fold yeah. and drastically impact the employees and the the economic ramifications. And like little airports like the Birmingham mm-hmm. Airport might not be able to, to handle that. Mm-hmm. And so I get that. So, yeah, give them money. Give small businesses money. Give the individuals money. Let's get that shot in the arm and get it back right <laughs> on the other side. And let's all still be standing at well, the end of here the day. Well, uh, Jerome Powell had an interview today. He's the chairman of the Fed who controls the interest rates and things mm-hmm. like that. And he, I think he really kind of nailed it in what he's saying is, hey, this is like a temporary shot in the arm for our economy. We certainly can consider ourselves in a recession right now, but it's not like a naturally induced mm-hmm. recession. We didn't slowly slip into a mm-hmm. recession. We're in like you an woke immediate up the next one day, yeah. because of what's happened. And the hope is we can sh- give a shot in the arm in this short-term recession to come right back out the other side in a strong economy like we were in. Right. Not as strong, but a strong one. That's the hope of everybody in this. Mm-hmm. So that's what it's all about. 
these are like you you mentioned it. These are just ugly, clunky, giant pieces of legislation that really please no one on the mm-hmm. whole. And frankly, if a bill doesn't really make I- either side completely happy, uh, that's kind of what government's supposed to be doing right. for you anyway is compromise, which we've lost in this time. On so. a different front, how are you doing in the absence of sports right now? It's <sighs> terrible. Today's opening day. It is opening day as we record um, this. Which I mentioned to you a little bit before. I was, this was like the least exciting opening day for me. Yeah, there were some um, things going on. I'm a Red Sox fan, uh, have been for, for years. Before they had won, they had broken the curse. I was a fan in, in high They broke the curse in high school. I was a fan like late middle school up in high school. Uh, love Mookie Betts. He was, he's just a transcendent player. He's fantastic at everything, always does it with a smile on his face. He's an awesome bowler, by the way, which is also a thing. He bowls 300 like all the time because he's awesome. <laughs> and the Red Sox just traded him. And it's because they don't want to pay him the $400 million that he's going to be due in the offseason because he's fantastic. It is a rough year for you because your quarterback also left. I'm not talking about Tom Brady's okay. Tampa Bay yet. I'm not ready for that. Okay. Um, no, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's talk about <laughs> it. All right, so we're, we're done. <laughs> Let's talk about my 2020. On top of all this, my sports world's falling apart. It collapsed. Uh, so uh, we traded my favorite player who I think had potential to be the greatest Red Sox player of all time. They just traded him away because they, they don't want to pay him. And let's talk about baseball economics real quick. There's like four or five teams in Major League Baseball that – basically have unlimited funds Mm -hmm. Uh, you've got uh the teams in la you've got um, the the, the cubs the yankees and the red sox they can pay for anybody they can Mm -hmm. pay any player any amount of money there's not a salary cap in baseball there is a luxury tax so when you spend so much you have to revenue share back into Mm -hmm. the small market teams but these teams can all afford it that's how they've done business forever so the red sox are one of the teams that can afford to pay anyone anything and they've decided all of a sudden that their direction is to get below this luxury tax threshold so that they're not mm-hmm. paying everybody whatever they can. Sharing the wealth. Well, there's been this change, and you guys have seen Moneyball come out, and there's been this change of thinking of, hey, we can get cheaper players and do this. And mm-hmm. even the bigger teams that can't afford to pay are playing this mm-hmm. their version of Moneyball, where we can pay less and get the right players at the right times. And it's a lot of analytics in baseball now. It's a strange time. Mm-hmm. And it's more about spreadsheets than it is about the actual play on mm-hmm. the field anymore. But anyway, they can afford to do it. And under normal circumstances, we're talking about going out and chasing these giant paycheck guys that you can bring in, these hired guns, the Alex Rodriguez's of the mm-hmm. world that you can just pay unlimited amounts of money and get them in. Yeah, okay, fine, don't do that. But Mookie Betts is like, he's homegrown talent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you drafted him, you brought him up, he's fantastic, he's great for the community, he's mm-hmm. just he's great at everything on a baseball field. Right. And you're just like, eh, we don't really want to pay you, why don't you just go to L.A.? So. Hurts my feelings. That's baseball. So I wasn't as excited about opening day, which I'm missing today. But now that it's actually upon me, it is hurting me a little bit. I want to mm-hmm. watch some baseball. There's pollen in the air. It's and you don't today. know when it's going to be back. Zach no. has read. I mean, it could be May. It could be they're, June. They're talking about having I a mean, World Series around Christmas. Yeah, you're ba- <laughs> right. You're basically talking about possibly – no baseball before what would have been the all-star yeah, break. Yeah. And what and, does that look like? And I watch a lot of football, too. So now you're talking about putting baseball into football season, which mm-hmm. is weird for me. You're going to maybe right. make choices about, like, what I'm watching. and Or mm-hmm. maybe you'll overload me and it'll yeah. be fantastic. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be yeah. for me, but I had to find – I found there's a MLB Classics YouTube channel. 
where you can watch a lot of old games, not just World Series games. You can yeah. watch a lot of old, you know, like Matt Cain's Perfect Game, uh-huh. and that kind of a thing. So we've been watching, we've been watching some of those just to have baseball on the TV because uh-huh. you don't realize. I mean, I did, but you don't realize how that's just a part of your life, a part of your day, to Zach have a game on or something like that until that's not available to you. Yeah. And it was unthinkable for that to not be a thing until, you know, July. So had to find out how can we – and also there's a lot of baseball podcasts. I subscribed uh, to The Athletic. Um, Zach bought that subscription, and there's a lot of new baseball podcasts that I've been listening to. But doesn't it kind of hurt you, too, to listen to it and then not be able to, like, get it? Yeah, a little bit, because at some point, right now they're still in that area where they're just trying to, like, find things to talk about, and it's still new and weird and that kind Mm -hmm. of a thing. If they're still putting out episodes, like, two months from now, I really don't know what they're going to be talking about. Yep. Um, but they're trying. They're trying. They don't want the podcast to just go away, so they're coming up with some uh, some different things. But, yeah, I feel like I'm feeling it, Matt, probably because Zach is, like, working 10, 11 hours a day mm-hmm. and is coming home so exhausted that he really just wants to eat and go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the one that is looking for some You're sort of, like, like... he has something to fill with Right. His <laughs> like, the, and irony. So, um his uh, library, the library display of all of our stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked really hard on trying mm-hmm. to get that organized. And, nobody can and, go look at it. and now it's at the library. <laughs> and about a week after it all got put up, the libraries had to shut down. So yeah. now yeah. Um, all of our, which again, you'll see how insane this is. I actually thought, well, we'll just watch the Cubs World Series games. I bought the box set. Yeah. Yeah. Turns out, gave those to the library for the exhibit. Oh, so no. I don't even have our baseball stuff. No. Here's how bad it was for me. Zach buys baseball cards occasionally. Mm-hmm. And we have them organized by, like, team and year and all kinds of things. But there are certain ones that he's just left in the boxes over the last, like, maybe six months whenever he's bought them or whatever. I went ahead and got those cards out and organized them the way we organize them by team they're already obviously organized by year because they're from the last year. But I'm sitting there organizing baseball cards one day. It got bad. It's a problem. <laughs> Times is tough. It's a problem. I've been painting my house. Yeah. That's a thing. Um, yeah. A lot of downtime. I'm mm-hmm. literally painting my which yeah. is a plan we had for this year anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, hey, you're at home a lot. Uh, right. you got time to do it. So. See, I don't feel like I'm home more. This, I think, was Saturday. Um, I'm trying my best to kind of manage as much as I can remotely. Like mm-hmm. I said, we're still keeping our employees there, so mm-hmm. I'm just kind of trying to set up processes and just stay yeah. away. You know, the, the less interaction we have with one mm-hmm. another, the better. So I'm gonna paint my house. Yeah. So let's. Uh, it turns out sports. Yeah. We no. did baseball. Um, basketball was the was a weird one. Like they're in their no, season. Yeah. And then they literally had a player test positive, mm-hmm. and <laughs> these guys travel from city to city and interact yeah. with each other, and so they're like, "Hey, we're done." A for player now. who didn't take it seriously enough, yeah, which has uh, has uh, issued statements of remorse and mm-hmm. donated money to the the workers. And by the way, you're seeing the worst of some of these billionaire owners of teams. Yeah. Uh, these players who make millions, who make mm-hmm. a lot of money, are donating, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, to the stadium employees. The affected stadium employees, and I've yet to see like this sweeping billionaire owners of facilities and teams. Zach is upset. It's the disgusting. Cubs, the Cubs have not been among those teams it's, that have said they're going to find a way to keep playing. I think their it people. should just be understood mm-hmm. that you share your wealth back with your people mm-hmm. in these times. You it's going to be a blip on the radar of what these mm-hmm. these people are worth. It's ugh. But the Ugh. guy who sells you the popcorn yeah. and the beer and yeah. stuff, this is it's major. Tough, man. So, 
that was basketball. So let's go to football. Let's go ahead and get there. Um, so the good thing with football is like you free agency just started mm-hmm. and they're doing it remotely and people are getting yeah, signed. Yeah, so it's still happening. We're getting some yeah. activity there. That's the normal. Which is probably why Tom Brady is popping up in my feed and normally he would not. <laughs> let's talk about Tom Brady. Now let's rewind a little bit for people that, do, that don't know Drew personally. All right, my Tom dad, Brady's a quarterback. My dad bought me a Drew Bledsoe jersey who was the previous quarterback mm-hmm. of, of the New England Patriots. He was the first overall pick in 1993. My dad bought me his jersey because his name was Drew, mm-hmm. and he was the first overall pick. Like, it was just because we had the same name. Mm-hmm. Out of that spawned an unhealthy obsession with New England sports in mm-hmm. general, really. I'm Patriots, Red Sox, Celtics. I, that, that's my teams. Um, but it was because of Drew Bledsoe. The first Patriots game that I got to go to in person was in Atlanta uh, in 2001. It was after September 11th had mm-hmm. occurred, and uh, this game was a few months later. And the way they did the season was the week of September 11th, they just moved that game to the end of the season. So the rest of the season stayed mm-hmm. the same. We got to go to the game. Well, in that particular year, uh, Drew Bledsoe had been hurt. Uh, he was rolling out. He got hit in the chest. He had like a pop blood vessel in his chest. It was like a life-threatening mm-hmm. injury. And then enter Tom Brady, and, and a lot of people know that's how Tom Brady mm-hmm. got to start. By the time I got to go to the game in Atlanta, uh, this was Michael Vick's rookie year also, so I got to watch him play a little bit, um, which was really cool. But Drew Bledsoe was healthy and eligible to play, and I wanted to see my favorite player play. Like, mm-hmm. who's, who's this Tom Brady kid mm-hmm. from Michigan? No thank you. Give me Drew Bledsoe. So just to clear the air, uh, I was a big Drew Bledsoe fan, and then you know he, he ended up getting traded because Tom Brady showed you the beginning right. of the him career. Him being him of the greatest quarterback of all time. And I won't even debate that with you. It is what it is. The guy has done it all. He's done it with less. He's done Brett it with Favre more. is somewhere curled up in a ball at this. Curl up in your ball. Uh, Tom Brady's won six championship rings over 20 years, and he's done it with good teams, great teams, okay teams. Now, granted, he I do think he probably has the greatest coach of all time there, too, mm-hmm. to really help that along. But he's the greatest. I mean, he just – he is. Um this is something that, as as a real Patriots fan, you've had to come to terms with for the last four, five, six years. Tom Brady's always had an expiring contract. And this year, for real Patriots fans, you knew it was you knew it was different. You knew it mm-hmm. felt different. You knew that they literally last year had written the language of his contract to make him a free agent. Mm-hmm. And both sides had agreed to this. Like last year, they right. had both come to terms with we're going to let Tom Brady play the the free agent market. So then you fast forward to it actually happening, and basically New England's done this with some of their stars before. They've done it with uh, Dante Hightower, got played for Alabama. A lot of people know his mm-hmm. name. They did it with him a few years back. They let him test the waters, mm-hmm. see what his value is on the open market, and then the Patriots paid him a little bit less than that, but he got to stay with the Patriots, mm-hmm. which is something he wanted to do. But he got to know what his value is. So this was one of those moments where they're letting Tom Brady kind of set his market. Well, it turns out it wasn't necessarily about money for, for Tom Brady. He's always taken less, and the contract that he inevitably has now, he's now signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is, is he could have been paid more, I'll mm-hmm. tell you that. So what really worked in New England's favor in all this is um, I thought he was going to L.A. I thought he was going to go play for the Chargers because he started an entertainment company. He's got this TB12 company that's all about this healthy, living, clean mm. lifestyle. Man, it just screamed L.A. Yeah. Tom Brady's born. He was born in San Mateo, California. He's from out there. You know, his wife's a, a former supermodel. I'm just like, they're going to L.A. He's going to go play for the Chargers. The Chargers had all these weapons. They've got great big receivers, a great big young tight end, good running backs that catch the ball out of the backfield, a pretty good offensive line. I was like, he's going to L.A. Like, there's no way he's not. Well, then the, the rumors are that he wants to stay on the East Coast. 
he's keeping his family based in Boston, his kids in the schools that they're in, and he's all about his family at this point. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to uproot them and move them across mm-hmm. the country. Their home base is here. So he's looking for a team over here in, like, the eastern time zone. So then I feel like a natural fit is the Titans. Um, they had a great run this last year. The coach played with mm-hmm. Tom Brady. Uh, love, love Coach Vrabel. Uh, they've got all these big offensive weapons. They've got Derrick Henry running the ball. You can really give longevity to an mm-hmm. old quarterback when you get a guy like that. And I'm like, man, there's, that's where he's going to get. It's got to be it, right? Well, then they like, they're all in on re-upping with their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. So I'm like, okay, well, he's not going there. So then I'm hearing that the Buccaneers are the, are the contestant. So for those of you that don't follow um, professional sports or the NFL, the Buccaneers have the, the worst winning percentage of any professional mm-hmm. sports franchise in any of the four major yeah, sports. Yeah, I, I, even I knew they're not <laughs> they just, a powerhouse. They yeah. lose a lot. However, they have two big all-pro receivers. They have a pretty good offensive line, a, a good coach who's actually um, from the Bear Bryant coaching tree. Bruce Arians was, was under Bear Bryant at one time. But it's Tampa. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, all right, so whatever Tampa offers, New England is going to be like, we got you, Tom. You can stay here. So I literally, like, there at the end, I was like, oh, he's coming back. We're good. We're mm-hmm. going to keep him Tom. And then I get but my But this is 2020. <laughs> it's the worst And rules ever. don't apply anymore. So I get the uh, I get my little Instagram alert. Tom Brady's posted. The, it's a two-part telling New England goodbye. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, it happened. This, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, then I'm hearing that it's Tampa, and I'm like, what? Going to Tampa. He's going to Tampa? What happened? And and really what happened, I mean, you've got a guy that has his priorities at the end of his career. So I look at this from both perspectives, right? So I'm looking at it from the New England Patriots perspective and from Tom Brady's perspective. Tom Brady's got a couple years left. He's still playing at a pretty decent level. He's a he's a top half of the league quarterback, mm-hmm. even right now at this point in his career. They're giving him a giant. You guys remember Mike Evans played for Texas A&M, and Johnny Manziel would just throw the ball up and he would catch it. I mean, this guy is a freak of nature. You've got this guy, and then on the other side, you've got Chris Godwin. And you've got some some good running backs. He's got a uh, O.J. Howard from Alabama, a tight end that can catch the ball. He's give he's got all these guys around mm-hmm. him that, that give him youth, right? He, Tom Brady's gonna go down there and throw for four thousand yards and forty touchdowns. He's gonna do it. Now, whether Tampa Bay has the success they think they're gonna have, I don't right. know. So then you look at the flip side of the coin in New England. I've watched Tom Brady's career intimately, and I've watched the Patriots intimately, and there have been times where New England had an okay team, but they were better coached than you, and they had Tom Brady. And with those two things, they could beat you. And I watched Tom Brady, like, overcome these obstacles mm-hmm. year in and year out. He would have uh, – I don't know if any of you guys remember David Patton. He was a receiver. He was the leading receiver one year for the Patriots. He was fantastic. Nobody remembers his name because he was a nobody. Mm-hmm. Well, he was good because Tom Brady made him good, right? I watched Tom Brady elevate these less mm-hmm. than great Patriots teams. So this past season, the Patriots had the best defense in the league. They had the number one defense, and they just injury after injury. The offensive line just falls apart. Uh, people are – Gronk retires. They're just double-covering Julian Edelman. We're trying to bring in these other receivers. Josh Gordon's fantastic. Mohamed Sanu is a really good fit for New England. Um, Antonio Brown for a week until he's insane <laughs> asylum now. I know that name. But they're trying all these things. So it's not like New England was just like sitting there not trying to help Tom Brady. They just yeah. kept trying, and everything's a miss. They just miss on all of it. Well, then at this point in Tom Brady's career, he just wasn't really able to elevate this, this average roster. Mm-hmm. He just wasn't able to do it because he's not that guy right now at this point in his career. He was mm-hmm. that guy. Now he's just a pretty good quarterback that, that can throw it around, right? So he wasn't able to elevate. So now the Patriots are at a point where even Tom Brady on a discounted deal is $15 million plus incentives a year, right? 
but he can't quite elevate this average roster that they have right. on offense. So if they're going to play, Alabama fans are used to this. Back in the day when we used to pound you in the face with defense and not turn it over on offense, mm-hmm. New England's about to play that this year. Well, you can pay Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, $15 million plus incentives a year to do that for you, or you can pay Jarrett Stidham like 800000 to do it for you. So I understood it from the team's perspective, too. Where they are in this point in their cycle, they it just makes sense. Just pay this guy a lot less to do what you would have had Tom Brady doing anyway. Mm-hmm. So it made sense for Tom to go to a place where he can thrive, and it made sense for the Patriots to not pay him there. It's, it's awful. It's, it's, ter- it's a terrible reality I'm faced with. But, and I'm also going to have to root for an Auburn guy, and that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm going through a lot of emotions in The year without sports. Yeah. See, so, I knew, like, high-level version of that. I didn't know. So I'm glad that there's been something to keep your minds off of, oh, yeah. off of that. I've been all in that. Because uh, uh, in the baseball world, there's really not a whole lot to talk about. Uh, football's had all the moving of, parts still at yeah, this point. This is normal. Baseball doesn't. The thing you're about to see that's not normal for the NFL is their draft. They're going to have to mm-hmm. do something different. A lot of GMs are pushing to push it back. And right. then, uh, you can do it via teleconference and stuff. You lose the fanfare. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be awesome in Vegas this right. year. They were going to, they were bringing the draftees up on a boat to the stage. Mm-hmm. It was going to be fantastic. You yeah. can't do any of that. So I, uh, uh, I've seen a meme float around that if you told people that the college football season depended on you staying home yeah. right now, yeah. people would be doing it. Uh, going back to Walt Maddox, we talked about him earlier. He made that reference. Mm-hmm. He said, if you don't want to do it for you, for your health, for your grandparents' health, for the community, do it so that we can start Alabama football mm-hmm. on time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, you know, that messaging might actually work. Right. Right. <laughs> well played, sir. Yeah. So, so here we a, are. It's a weird It's a weird year in sports. Yeah, uh, thanks for letting me talk about my own personal sports, no sports. problems right now. <laughs> I hope you guys can be kindred spirits yeah. with me in, to some degree. I know yeah. the rest of you that aren't actual literal Patriots mm-hmm. fans are really happy Tom Brady's not suiting up in New England mm-hmm. this year uh, but I wanted to, to kind of speak to you from a pragmatic Patriots fan I'm okay well, with it no matter what your sport it. is yeah just the absence of having them you it, know, it means a lot in all, our lives. yeah um you know has been weird like our sports page is down to like half I don't know half a page at this point. Yeah. I mean, what do you put on the sports page? I mean, they're trying hard, but you give updates. To the what AHSA can you say? Still doesn't have them. You know, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's difficult. It's weird. Um, so, who would have thought we'd be sitting here? What a strange year. Um, yeah, I think you can. Somebody broke it. Like, like it I've seen working. that going around too. Like, can we like? turn it off can you reset the router and cut <laughs> it back out again because something's going on something weird's working. happening it ain't working man um so here we are uh, we're all in it together don't forget that um mm-hmm. support your neighbors um, trying. let's let's try to focus on all the things we have in mm-hmm. common right now instead of the differences uh and we have made the decision um to keep putting out content after this yeah. so this will this is our second uh, coronavirus episode, and after this, we're going to try to get back to um, some sense of normalcy yep. because, I mean, you probably know what's going on. Uh, you're watching the news daily, and you're probably also looking for things to do that don't involve uh, the coronavirus and you being stuck at home. So we, I, I mentioned in the James, James's episode, um, we really did have some great interviews before all this happened. Yeah. Uh, we were really excited about the direction that the podcast um, had been going. And so we're going to start releasing those on a regular schedule again. Um, we'll give you the warning in advance that we're not going to um, 
record the intros and the bit after in real time. So if something crazy has happened, you're not going to hear about that. Uh, we're probably not going to respond to that because that's not how we're going to be recording. The right, goal is right. not to be, you know, issuing the breaking news. It's it's to be doing the, um, you know, just a little bit of distraction, just something. Yep. So um, I believe we're starting next week with the delightful Miss Mary Jolly. Oh, man. Mary is uh, 91, I think. 90, did she tell us 91? Yeah, 91. Yeah. Sharper at 91 than I am <laughs> at 30, whatever I am. I can't even tell yeah. you. She knows more at 91 than I will ever um, know. So. Had some great stories. She worked from Congressman Carl Elliott. We spent a great afternoon with her. Um, and so just really um, encourage you to come back next week and just, if nothing else, her accent. Didn't you love Mary's accent? I did. She, I love the South Alabama accent. She has the best version of the South Alabama accent for me because mm-hmm. sometimes it's almost like annoying because mm-hmm. it's like put on a little mm-hmm. bit. Coming nope. from a Southerner. Right. Hers was hers was just pure. It mm-hmm. was just, it was what, what it should be. Right. So, um, uh, so, yes, just come back to hear... Uh, Mary talk about her own life's journey, her work with Congressman Carl Elliott. This is a two-parter, so there'll be part one next week where we kind of lay the groundwork for the career uh, and the things that they did together. So, So, you know. We're going to try to bring back as much normal as we can. So, in the meantime, you know, stay safe and respectful and distances from others and Mm -hmm. quit buying all the dadgum toilet paper. What is that about? That's just weird, My husband implores you. It's weird. To stay out of the grocery store. That'd as be, best you can. Yeah. That'd be super great. Yeah. If you could just make one normal trip instead of him seeing you four times in 48 hours. Yeah, it's That'd not, be super great. It's not necessary. There, we're, we're not going to, like, run out of food mm-hmm. or toilet paper. And be respectful when you're there yeah. because these people who are already working on the margins anyway yeah. have no control over when the trucks come, what's on the truck. They're really just there. It's not their fault. Hey, quit buying up all the rubbing alcohol, too. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> what are y'all doing? I want to tell y'all a story. I'm going to be real vulnerable with all of you right now. I have a condition that's called hyperhidrosis. You ever heard of this? It's basically I? I don't know. sweaty hands and sweaty feet. Oh, okay. I actually take medication for my sweaty hands, um, which has been life-changing. Just found this in the last like year and a half. My brother and I both have this. I have an aunt that has it as well. <laughs> I have sweaty hands constantly. Uh, it's really weird when you're in positions where you need to shake folks' hand all the mm-hmm. time because you're giving them this moist, right. gross hand. And there's nothing I can do about it. It's mm-hmm. a genetic condition. So anyway, so on the hands, I pretty much have it in check. I take medicine daily to, like, basically dry my hands mm-hmm. up. doesn't work so good on the feet. So I have to work really hard. I'm very diligent uh, about trying to keep my shoes from smelling like death uh, mm-hmm. because I respect all of you around me, mm-hmm. and I want you to not have to encounter really stinky shoes um so two methods i've implored one is i rotate my shoes daily i try not to wear the same pair of shoes mm-hmm. two days in a row uh and another is rubbing alcohol actually helps me uh kill the bacteria in okay. the shoes that cause the odor yeah. i've learned it's a lot of years of work into this um basically all of you buying up the rubbing alcohol that you're probably not using um has forced me to have stinky feet Mm -hmm. so that's on all of you (laughs) so yet another disaster (laughs) that's happened in 2020 Uh, my wife would tell you it's a disaster in our household so uh so actually right now i'm just wearing the same pair of shoes every day because why make all of them stinky yeah Uh, it's a real thing it's a struggle that i have in life and so i have real questions when all this is over i have real questions number one Mm -hmm. what did you people do with this stuff Mm -hmm. And number, and number two, 
when you thought the world was coming to an end, your supply list baffles me. Oh, it's weird. Yeah. Like, give me as why? much. Give me all the perishable foods and mm-hmm. enough toilet paper for a small army for right. six months. That. That's well, what I'll I tell you, I don't mind telling you my priority, period, yeah, because Zach was, obviously, he's going to be going into, you know, yeah. Dragon's Den yeah. six days a week, and I said, listen here, I said, I don't care about toilet paper, don't Me bring either. home the toilet yeah. paper, I said, I will require all the little Debbies in all the land, you understand, <laughs> like, we've got a lot of snack cakes, there's right going to be runs yeah. on little Debbies, yeah. so I don't care. Whatever it is, priorities. Yeah. Toilet paper, I will work around it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Little Debbie's priority number one. Yeah. I'm just telling you. Well, don't buy some it of all y'all didn't prepare either. appropriately. Yeah. The <laughs> that and ravioli. I learned that about myself. Ravioli. That I told him I was standing in the Dollar General aisle and I told him ravioli. That's what we need. I'll tell you something. I, said, I, I can about, live for a while on ravioli. I learned about my wife and I that I really didn't know. Um, we don't keep bread in our house. Like oh. loaf bread? Yeah. We don't. We okay. just don't keep it. Okay. We don't like regularly make sandwiches. And then like yeah. if I do like make a, an egg salad or a chicken mm-hmm. salad or something like that, then I buy bread to go with that. Yeah, sure. Um, but we don't regularly keep it. So when there's this run on bread, you know, everybody's mm-hmm. out of bread. My dad had like three loaves at the house, which mm-hmm. I told him was part of the problem. Right. You know, buy the normal amount <laughs> of bread. You're the problem, Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, I love you. Buy a normal amount of bread. Um, what, so dad asked me, he's like, hey, we had like these three loaves. Do you need mm-hmm. a loaf of bread? And I looked at him. I said, no, I don't. He's like, do you get bread? I said, no. We actually don't have bread in the house. Mm-hmm. So I learned this about myself. We mm-hmm. keep milk. We keep mm-hmm. eggs. Yeah. We don't keep bread. Right. There you go. Yeah. Man, I'm real vulnerable with you guys in yeah. COVID-19 crisis. I if mean, you want to know anything else about me, just hit me, and apparently look, I'm going to share I it with you. I think we're both kind of thinking the world's about to come to an end anyway. Yeah. So Might as well get it all out there, right? Just do you. Yeah. Just do you. Yeah. Also, uh, we haven't purchased any toilet paper through this because unlike the rest of you, apparently— my normal toilet paper buying habits are about well, two, two to three weeks of toilet paper, maybe yeah. more. So I already already had that much. Mm-hmm. And so then now after all you crazies are done doing whatever the heck it is that you're doing. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, going to Tumor's Corner, what are we doing here? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But when you're done, you. the market will have cycled back in and just have toilet paper Zach on the shelves like normal. Zach comes home with stories, which he always does. Yeah. Remember, but Zach comes home with stories that absolutely boggle the mind. Yeah. Boggle the mind. Some strange like, times. We're learning things about people and their buying habits and their mentalities yeah. that are. Yeah. Y'all scare me. I'm just going to say it. Some of y'all scare well, me. Also, a lot. maybe we should have like a meeting on the apocalypse is upon us. These are the things you should actually be mm-hmm. worried about buying. Right. Maybe we have that meeting because you guys are buying all the wrong things. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> what are we doing? You're not buying the right like things. Like the canned non-perishable, that's what mm-hmm. you should be aiming at. That can take in you In the while. apocalypse. That'll mm-hmm. last you a while. Feed your family yeah. for longer. Um, and we'll end I, would, I would even argue like Little Debbie's are good. That's a good one. Get uh, them. Those will last Zach you a said bit. this, and I've seen it circulate online as well. In this moment, we're realizing the preppers were right. Yeah. Yeah. The preppers were right. We, we should have all been preppers. We made fun of them. I may be a prepper when this is over. I get it. I will tell you what I definitely am taking with me on the back side of this. Uh, I have better hand-washing habits, mm-hmm. and I don't touch my face as much. Yeah. And I think I'm going to carry that with me for the rest of my life. It just seems smart, honestly, yeah. even when you're talking about the common cold so and flu and whatever else. bright light there. I'm yep. washing my hands better. All right, let's get okay. out of here before we keep ranting. Yes. 
the emotions, emotions are coming yeah. out. Everybody yeah. stay safe, um, you know, stay respectable difference, distances, um, buy things from small businesses if you can. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you next week with our Merry Jolly episode. See you guys. Left on Red is a DME Media Production. Copyright 2020, Daily Mountain Eagle.